Welcome back to On the Cusp. And with me today is my co-host, Matt Snyder. Matt, thanks back. But today it's really special for us to have Mr. Roy Griggs with us here today, Griggs Enterprise. I know you and I and the BRF have worked closely together on multiple projects. It's always a pleasure working with you. But Matt and I were sitting going, who do we want on on the cusp to tell their story. That might have been the first name that, like, the dream the first name. Name that came <laughs> up with. My friend. <laughs> we want to hear the Roy Griggs story. David and Matt, thank you guys for having me, and I hope I won't disappoint you today. Uh, I'm a little country boy from Meridian, Mississippi, and uh, my family is there, back there now. I have a brother who moved to report with me. My story began in 1972 with McDonald's. I was working at a uh, restaurant in Meridian at that time, and unbeknownst to me, the owner of the McDonald's, I came in and I waited on. And I made good money then, but I wasn't happy because I wasn't treated fairly. And how the McDonald's story began, one of the waitresses wanted to go to McDonald's and apply for a job then. She didn't have a card, so I agreed on a break. I would take her to McDonald's. And while there, I just filled out an application, you know, not expecting to go to mm -hmm. McDonald's. Didn't, no thought that McDonald's was a place for me. But the way it happened, they called me in for the interview. It didn't call the young lady that really wants to work there. <laughs> so uh, this was in 72 in Meridian, Mississippi, and the store at McDonald's that it was building had a basement in it. So you had to go downstairs into the basement for the interview. So I went down in the basement, and there's two uh, white people sitting there, uh, husband and wife, I didn't know them. And when I walked in, they said, that's him. And so, you know, I turned three shades red because they were like, y'all don't know me. Uh, what did I do? It wasn't me. So they saw the, I guess, the weird expression on my face. So they quickly explained to me they were wondering if I was a young man that waited on them when they came to the restaurant that I was working at. They were so impressed with how I handled the service and my, I guess, service and, and the total experience. So they offered me a job at McDonald's. So I left the little restaurant making pretty good money, went to work for McDonald's as a grill person, uh, making hourly wages, which was probably about a third of what I was making at the restaurant. My good chips, because I was a head waitress, I handled all the banquets and things like that. But the storyline was I wasn't treated fairly. I didn't feel valued there. Mm -hmm. And so I, I said, well, I'll just go to McDonald's until I find something else. But I didn't know what I was walking into. Uh, I didn't know how organized McDonald's was. I didn't know how those only treats employed. They made me really felt special, valued. And yeah, growing up in Mississippi, you know, uh, back then McDonald's was like really a big deal. And for me to get a job at McDonald's, oh man, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, how'd you get a job at McDonald's? I walked in, they hired me. <laughs> but it was because of my attitude, my work ethic and all that. And I tell this story to a lot of my employees today. If I had had a really, really bad attitude, had not done a good job, my whole career would have turned out totally different. Totally different. So beginning to work at McDonald's, I moved up through the rank quickly. And within two years, I was a restaurant manager at the McDonald's in Meridian, Mississippi. Two years later, little country boy had never flown before. I flew to uh, Chicago to go to 
Hamburger University. And uh, that was the uh, icing on the cake for me, taking me from Meridian to a whole different world in Chicago, and uh, to experience the campus there, to hear the story about Ray Kroc, to talk about the think tank and where he made all his decisions, and just to walk on that campus. To me, I call it hamburger heaven. So after that, it just really enhanced my, uh, my passion for McDonald's. But the guy, David, I worked for was just phenomenal. How he treated all his employees. Mm -hmm. The one who, who worked the best, who deserved the opportunity, the one who got the opportunity. He didn't see color, you know. And uh, so that is how I got to McDonald's. It was by accident, mm -hmm. but it's been the best ride of my life. And this month, I celebrate 50 years with McDonald's. Congratulations, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so six, what brought you to Shreveport? You had all that? And it just... Okay, now I worked for the owner operator for 16 years. I got my first right to own a McDonald's in 1989. And that was in Thomasville, Alabama, which is about 100 miles north mm -hmm. of Mobile. It was a small rural community there. And uh, uh, we had some difficulty going there because it was a predominantly white community. This was in 1989. And, but let me, I have to go back into my roots. We, in Mississippi, we lived between two white neighbors. Uh, back then, they had those Jim Crow laws where if the power line had to come across their property, they had to give a right of passage. And so for years in my early life in school, we didn't have electricity. We didn't have indoor plumbing. We were really, I know we were poor though, but we were really poor. But the thing I learned, my mother, she had a passion and a zeal for trying to make things better for us. So she would go to this uh, white person, maybe three or four times a year, ask would he give a right of passion, he would say, no, and to make a long story short, it was several years, but she always treated him kind, polite. Now, as kids, we wanted to do something like this. Because we didn't know anybody, you treat us bad, we just thought you just give them, treat them bad. But she showed us a better way of getting things done. Over the years, she wore him down. I don't think he did it because it was, he felt it was the right thing to do. This woman's just not going to give up. You know? so, <laughs> she just won. Well, yeah, she <laughs> she won. wore him down. So, so I learned that early on as I got older. I reflect back on that because when I went to uh, Thomasville, Alabama, uh, when they found out I was a black operator, I couldn't live in the neighborhood I wanted to. I couldn't buy the house I wanted to buy. And so I could play the race card, I could say all this, but my whole career would have been totally turned out different. So I had to learn how to make the best out of a bad situation because I knew in my heart, once they get to know Roy Griggs, yep. it won't be a problem. Yeah. And uh, we stayed there eight years in Thomasville and they got to know us. We was the greatest thing that happened. I told the mayor when I went there, I said, my goal is to make you guys proud. And you're going to say, we are proud to have Roy Griggs and his family here. And this is our McDonald's. And sure enough, that was what happened mm -hmm. over the course of the eight years. I was nominated for Citizen of the Year. And uh, all kind of accolades were oh, given awesome. to us. And when we announced that we were leaving Thomasville, uh, 
the town went into a complete shock. They could not believe it. And it wasn't because we didn't enjoy working there, but there was not a lot of opportunities in that area. We went to McDonald's and said, we'd like to have an opportunity to relocate. Uh, are there some markets around that you think that we can take a look at? So the first one was Mobile, and it was Pritchett and, and Mobile, and, and we didn't like that area, so I didn't take that one. Then they brought Shreveport. And, and back then, I didn't know Shreveport the way I know it now. Uh, it was not very attractive from what I heard, what you see. And folks that have been through Shreveport, who lived at Shreveport, always said, you know, Shreveport is not a good place to raise a family. You know, crime is high, drugs is, is bad, their racism is bad. Based upon that, well, we're not going to Shreveport. We'll wait for another opportunity. But again, God gave me favor with the general manager of McDonald's of that region. He said, well, Roy, let's go take a look at it. Our first visit was a weekday. I think it was a Tuesday or a Wednesday. We came and visited Shreveport. The first visit, it felt right in my heart. I knew it was a place, but being a stubborn black male, no, nah, it's not right, because what I heard, and I said, we're going to come back and go back on a weekend. And we're going to really see what it looks like. You know, if you don't know anything about Shreveport, right. I didn't know where to find those pockets. Maybe they were, if there was drugs or shooting yeah, yeah. or what. So on the main corridor there, everybody was so friendly and cordial. And I made a point to walk up and say, Matt, can you give me direction? I want somebody to say, boy, I cuss me out. I go, okay, yeah. I can't cuss yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it didn't happen. After that, I go like, well, I guess we're going to Shreveport. <laughs> and we hadn't even looked at the deal or anything. When I looked at the deal, I go like, oh, where's our side? <laughs> because they wanted someone to come in and try to change the, uh, the brand image of McDonald's in Shreveport. At that time, the brand image here was not very favorable. And so we had done a lot in Thomasville and working with the community and uh, understand how important it is right. to be successful and to be good community. And you still uh, do that today. You and, are involved uh, in a lot of things. That's part of who I am. And I think it's so important to give back because Shreveport has really been good to me and my family. And, and when, when we're able to give back, I think it's just, we have to do that. Because I believe that what much is given, you know, much is required, and we and we have to try and do that. Because I found out that Streetport is a good place to live and to work, and then we have an opportunity to try to do things to help make it even better. Right. Talking about being involved in the community, I mean, one thing that really I just was blown away by was the body camera deal. Oh. So I mean, like. There was a need, and, and a lot of times in Shreveport, you'll see everybody kind of is talking about something, but it takes uh -huh. a leader, which, which you are, to step up. Can you talk about how that all happened? Well, uh, I, you know, that happened on the heels of the George Floyd uh, incident. And I was saying, we can't have that happen here in Shreveport. You know, what can... I do, and I start pondering, how can we help make a difference here or try to make sure nothing like that happened here? And I, 
goes back to the cell phone, I say now, if someone had not had that cell phone out, we probably would not have known what really happened. And I say, well, then body cams. We don't have body cams for our policemen. I say, body cams, I use the word, they are ginger or body neutral. Then I go, lie. <laughs> it, it is what it is. They're going to show that what actually happened. It's going to protect our citizen. It's going to protect the policeman. But some were afraid to do their job because of what might be said and all of that. I said, but the camera cam will help with that. What if maybe we try to put a team together and buy body cams for the police department? And that's how that came about. And, and I reached out to some of my good friends. They all jumped on board. And within a month, we had a commitment for two hundred thousand dollars. You know, I mean, to, to I mean buy that's amazing. Yeah. And I think leaders like yourself and, and leaders that stepped up and said, "Hey, here's a solution that'll actually help us." Right. right. See, it's important. And, and the leaders that stepped up weren't all black. Right. See, that's I said this maybe earlier. This was a great community. It, we had I had black support. I had white support because we couldn't have done it without their support. And we all recognized that was a a great need, and, and we all felt like that was a great way to try to combat some of the issues that was going on here, supplying those body cams. Now, when you get uh, Phil Barbary, you know, I love Phil. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, you know, you yeah, must, no. when you bring those guys, and then people follow, because people see you yeah, guys as such leaders. They see your leadership. They see oh, you out yeah. there. They will follow you. They will participate. There's so many great leaders in this city, you know, and I'm just proud to be able to to make that happen. But I couldn't have done it. So it's not just me. It was all the other great business owners that stepped up and citizens that stepped up to make it possible. Well, I think that's uh, one of the things we don't talk enough about in Shreveport is that there is a lot of great things. And that's why Matt and I call this on the cusp. Mm. Right. There are a lot of great things going on. And when we work together in a towards a common goal and right. it doesn't matter whether it's economic development or body camps, we solve the problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think sometimes folks just need to be asked, you know, uh, and then if the right leader who has the right motive and for the right reason, very given community here. I've seen time after time all the great work and the great deeds of so many great citizens here. We have to have a better, I think, marketing plan for Shreveport, you know, that we can send out when somebody moves right. in. That's right. All the good things that's happened here. Where we're centrally located, you know, I think is a big plus. The fine medical uh, corridor that we have here. It's just so many great things that goes on here that get pushed under the corporate. And I, I, I applaud y'all for what you're doing. And I'm, I'm excited about being here. I get excited about talking about Shreveport. Uh, and we're not where we will be. I just believe the glass is not half empty. I think it's half full. Yes. As we continue yes. to build up on it, we're going to burst open. Soon. I just appreciate you so much leading by example. I mean, in Shreveport, you know, there's so many times that we'll be out at the golf course or whatever, and there's a lot of tables in that room not saying very nice things about Shreveport and whatnot, and, and you know, everything's doom and gloom and, and bad. And, and I, I think part of all of our role is to be an example of what 
black and white, old, young, Absolutely. positive people moving Shreveport forward look like. Right. And, and I appreciate you for that. I mean, I, well, you're, well, you're the catalyst of that. Well, it just goes back to my humble beginning. I tell you, we didn't have much, but we were taught to appreciate what we had and try to make it a difference. You know, and I could say my sweet mother who died at a young age of 47 taught me so much about life, you know, and how to be successful and to just take pride in your name. We didn't have nothing growing up, you know, just the basic. And she said, whatever you do, don't you go out and damage the image of the Griggs name. That name means something. Your great grandfather. You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I want to ask you one more thing, just a business question. Maybe we'll edit this off or put it somewhere else. But staffing. Yeah. Oh. So staffing is a big issue that a lot of people are talking about right now. And, and as I've watched it, you can definitely see at, at your McDonald's. Yeah. Uh, can you talk on that? Absolutely. I'm fortunate enough to have 16 McDonald's. And everyone, every one of those stores are short on staffing. Uh, we're not, we're probably about half way of staffing at the level we had prior to the pandemic. Uh, average store used to have about 60 employees. My 24-hour store had maybe 70 to 80 or 85 employees. We're averaging probably about 30, 35 employees now. And uh, it's, it's a different world. Uh, their work ethics, their attendance is different. Uh, and what we, what we do when we hire them, what days you want to work, what hours you want to work, and, okay, you got it. They may come to work, or they may even show up for the first day, or they'll work a couple of days, no show, no call. Come back in the next day, what happened? Oh, I didn't feel like coming to work. Mm. Did, did you call? Well, I didn't feel good. Well, we need to know what I told yeah. But that's what we deal with now. And prior to the pandemic, you know, a couple of no calls, no shows, you're out. Yeah. But because we are short now. Yeah, you don't have that luxury. Right. And I think they know that. So uh, they're taking advantage of us. But I do see it getting a little bit better. Yeah, I was going to ask you, are yeah. you finding yeah. anything that's working that other business owners? Uh, well, if if I had to answer, boy, I would package it and I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> <Selling> it out, <laughs> yeah. but I, don't, I don't think anyone really knows the real answer because I thought by this time that we would be back a normal workforce, but it's all across the country. It's in every area of business, you know, not just in fast food, service industry, manufacturing, you can't get parts, you know. Uh, so it's just a different world now, and we just got to keep finding uh, different ways of trying to attract folks in. Uh, I went and opened up a training center of a personnel just like five days a week, eight to five, so that we can really just uh, get the, all the, the uh, applica- application done correctly, all the basic training done there, because sometimes the store is being short-staffed when they were able to do all that training. Right, right, so, right. You're trying to run a restaurant, you can't right. spend yeah, all that Yeah, you're already tight. Right, already. so uh, I still believe it's gonna get better, and we still have to uh, aim for 100% customer satisfaction. 
we don't always hit that, but that has to be the goal. I tell my staff now, the pandemic is over. We can't use that as a crutch. We've got to go in there and execute and, and, and continue to work on getting back to where we were staffing-wise, you know, quality-wise, service-wise. I know in a couple of short, but do the very best you can mm -hmm. to try to accommodate I guess as they come in, I'll come to the drive-through. That's my goal. It's even hard on me because I expect so much right, out right. of my folks because they have given so much. And I, and I talked to my leaders. I said the reason why I expect because you don't have proven to me over and over again you make it happen. I said so. I just believe you can get it done. Let me right. ask you one more thing to close this out. Is Shreveport still a good place to run a business? Absolutely. I'm still here. I'm still investing in my restaurants here. I don't plan on going anywhere. I still believe in Shreveport. Uh, great opportunity here. And so I plan to retire here in Shreveport. You're never retiring. You're never retiring. Well, uh, we'll play well, a little more golf. <laughs> but you see, I, I've been blessed. Like I said, I'm 69 years old. And I have very little health issues, you know, and I, I wake up every morning feeling great. Uh, I think I can tackle the world, you know. <laughs> I think I can still work in the restaurant. I go in, I talk a lot of noise, but a lot of the kids are, are bluffing. <laughs> I'm the best grill person ever. I'll teach you on that grill right there. And see, I don't know my story. And they think, you know, I, I was born rich and all that. <laughs> and I'll get back there on that grill and I'll, oh, you know, the back a little bit. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, we, we Shreveport, uh, Bozier, are fortunate to have you. We're blessed. And thank you for coming here today and telling us your story. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank, you. thank you so thank much. You.